0: Anyone here for the first time tonight? CB, welcome, sir. <laughs> welcome at the back. Welcome. Um, uh, so CB, I've been enjoying getting to know you just a little bit, very briefly. Um, so just to, I just felt the Lord saying, um, and obviously test this, but I, I felt him during worship saying for you to watch, um, pay attention to the, the night watchers. Okay and I, I don't know if that means that he's um, going to be waking you up with things to intercede for or if he's going to be um, speaking to you in dreams but I, I just pray blessings on you at night and see what he does okay let me know okay <laughs> um so wow tonight so we we're carrying on with this um series on friendship um how many of you were here 2 weeks ago okay good <laughs> Few have missed last week, um, I know it's generally a weird semester, you know, we travel and we, you know, everyone's out and about, and um, I, I, I really loved what Henrik and Dottie had to, Henrik and Emily, sorry, <laughs> Henrik and Emily had to say, um, such, such diverse perspectives on friendship with God, um, and, and just, it, w- it was amazing. If you weren't here, please um, listen to the podcast, they'll be up now if, I think they are already up, Okay. Um, so, um, last week, uh, I was at a, a conference with a, a small group of Christian scholars, which is always interesting, because you never really know what you're going to get when you're around a bunch of Christians, and, um, and um, from all denominations and you know backgrounds, and um, I may have been the only charismatic in the room, um, and some, it was a really interesting time, um, but there there was this one point where, where one, of the, one of the professors got really quite animated and upset about her students treating Jesus like their boyfriend. Um, I didn't ask her to clarify. It wasn't a conversation I wanted to have at the time. Um, but I took it as meaning something negative, okay, given the, the expression. And, and, and I could probably work something out from that. Um, but, um, it, it, made, it made me think, just you know, something that's that's been on on the, or at least in the back of my mind as we're doing this series, that um, we, we we can perhaps think that if we if we talk too much about friendship with God um, and intimacy and those sorts of things, that that we start to lose sight of his of his Majesty, um, and and we maybe we stop holding him in in so much awe, or um, he doesn't have the the. The respect that he should have from us. And it's almost like it's a spectrum, you know, like majesty and awes on one side and, and friendships on the other. Um, and obviously, as we are talking about friendship, we, we are holding these two things together at the same time. Um, but I also felt the Lord saying that that's, it's a lie, okay? That that's a lie. Um, and this is a maybe an illustration that works or doesn't work, but I, 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 was, I was reminded of the fact that when Jesus went up onto the mountain and he had that transfiguration, there were only three disciples that saw him do that. And those three disciples are the ones that we, that we know he was closest to. They were his friends. Um, that it, it was those who saw him as a friend who had the greatest intimacy with him that saw him transfigured, saw his glory before any of the others did. Um, and, and, and so I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that, that, that my expectation is as that as we press into more friendship, we will encounter him more deeply and more intimately, and therefore we will behold his glory more. Um, so don't think that there's something off with pursuing friendship. Okay, you're going to gain reverence, not lose it. Okay, um, So I just wanted to say that up front. Oh Amen. Worship again. Thirsty. Um, so, I said two weeks ago that I wasn't going to preach on, on John 15. So please, um, if you've got a Bible or a phone, you know, go to John 15. That's, where, that's what I'm going to read. Um, it's the one scripture where Jesus actually calls us friends. And um, I didn't preach on it last time because I wanted to leave it. And, um, and I, I wanted to leave it because I felt the Lord saying to, to, to talk about um, sin. And obedience. Um, not something that we preach on a lot. You know, it tends to make us feel uncomfortable. Um, but it was something that I, had, I felt really hard-pressed to do. And um, the odd thing was that the more I read the scripture and the more I thought about this topic, the more, um, uh, the more joy I experienced. And the happier I became. It wasn't the uh, reaction I was expecting. And um as, as Matt has, has said already i, I really believe that um, that God has has freedom. it might just be for one person i don 't know, and if it is it 's worth it, it might be for for many. but um, I think he wants to strip some some shame from us tonight, yes. okay and some, and maybe some sin as well, some things that we 're struggling with. Um, but the more I prayed and the more I read, the, the happier I got It's this anticipation that he's going to He's going to meet us tonight. Um, so, I'm going to read the, the, the really important verses are uh, in the middle here of John, um, the 15th chapter. But let's just let's get the context. So, reading from the first verse, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that he does that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit." And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love So there's obviously you know, 15 to 20 sermons in that scripture. Um, it's incredible. Um, and um, I said a few weeks ago in a previous sermon that you know, when, I, when I read this scripture, that amidst all of this promise of, a, of abiding and love and, and friendship and intimacy and, and hearing his voice, I managed to become fixated on this, if you obey my commandments. And suddenly, all of the wonder and the joy, um, because it says, you know, you will have joy, all of all of that in the Scripture just kind of dissipated, and it became dependent on me. And flip, if I don't obey His commandments, none of this is going to happen. Um, and then that might just be me. You know, it might not be any performance-orientated, competitive people in the room, at, but um, they probably uh, are... <laughs> maybe, what? Um, and so I... I I wanted to come back to this, I wanted to come back to the scripture and, and kind of press into that. Um, and yeah, we could talk about abiding, we could talk about hearing God's voice, you know, for, for weeks. But verse 10 and verse 14, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You are my friend if you do whatever I command you. So Jesus calls us to obey his commandments, the ones that he's given. He, um, he calls us to obey his ongoing commands, to be obedient to his voice, Um, and granted, none of us are perfect, okay, none of us get this right, but um, he calls us to do it, he calls us to listen, and you know, there's, obviously, lots of religions call for obedience, don't they, you know, there's a, the the Jewish religion has a law, the Islamic religion has a law, Confucianism, Confucianism has a way of living, so does Buddhism. Okay, there are ways and th- ways you're supposed to be, things you're supposed to do, um, that allow you to draw close to God, whatever God looks like. There isn't a God in all of those, but towards God or towards perfection. And Jesus, Jesus calls us to obedience, but He's not calling us to obey law, is it? He? He's He's calling us to obey the One who loves us. And he and again in saying that, He separates Himself. He separates faith in Him from every other religion on the planet. That we, as we are called to obey His commandments, we are obeying in a context of love, in a context of abiding. But I think, you know, sometimes in our culture, I know Bill, a few years ago, um, a long time ago, Bill made the comment that um, he's wary of talking about sin in the Western culture because um, Western Christians can often have a, have, have, have a um, place too, too great an emphasis on our sin, on our brokenness. Um, and we struggle to actually appreciate the, the reality of God's forgiveness. Um, and, I, you know, and that's something I've seen so many times. It's something I've experienced in, in my own life. Um, but even as um, Jesus' friendship is offered to us, it's, he's, he's, he's offering, isn't he? he it's, it's, he's volunteering us uh, to us this door that we, that we can open to him. That this is, this is always about our choice. Um, but we can't lose sight even in the, in the midst of all the things he promises us that, um, that obedience is important. That if we do sin, if we do disobey him, there will be consequences. It will hurt our friendship. Um, I think we know this. I'm going to tell a story about Matt later, so you know we'll come back to two bad friends. But um, when um, <laughs> I normally try to pick on Ryan, but dear, um, yeah, get another drink. You'll need it. Uh, <laughs> the reality is that that when we sin, that when we when we choose to separate ourselves from the Lord, that He can't be a part of the sin that we practice. It's not something that he can partner with us in. Um, the, um, the, the most subtle form that I, that I recognize this in my own life is when I feel him speaking to me and asking me to do something. And often it's quite simple. And I just say, I just say no, I'd rather do something else. You know, and then the next day or three or four days later, I ask him a question um, and I, I, I feel the Lord saying, um, now you want to hear what I have to say. You know, what happened when I talked to you a few days ago? And not in a condemning way, just in a, hey, I thought this was a friendship. I thought um, I thought I could speak to you and you'd listen. And it's, it's so subtle and it's such a small thing, but there's um, this idea of, of, of um, <clears throat> holding Jesus in awe and reverence. The majesty of him, of being drawn to him because of his glory and his beauty but also been drawn because of his friendship and his love, that we choose to partner with him, that we choose to listen to his voice, that we choose to be obedient. And if we choose something else, then there will be a cost. And I just want, I want us to have the maturity to recognize that there is a cost if we do that. But there's a huge difference um, in trying to live our lives free of sin in order to be acceptable to him, and living our lives free of sin to be close to him. And I want you to try and understand that. It's a small difference. Okay, but one is rooted in religion, one is rooted in fear, one is rooted in pride and striving, and the other is rooted in friendship and in intimacy. That we seek to live our lives free of sins, that we can be close to Him. Dallas Willard wrote this a really interesting line. An obsession with doing all that God commands may be the very thing that rules out being the kind of person that He calls us to be. That if we focus so much on doing and trying to be right and trying to follow the law, we lose sight of being His friend. So I know this might sound like a contradiction, okay? So bear with me here. It's quite subtle, <laughs> okay? That we, we want to follow his commands. We want to be open to his voice. We want to hear what he is saying to us in every situation and try to be obedient. But he doesn't want us to be so fixated on obedience and on, on law that we stop being his friend and become these sort of robots that are mechanically trying to work our way into relationship with him. Because I don't think any of us have a friendship like that that actually works. When you're constantly trying to make someone our friend, do the right thing so they'll become our friend. Does it ever work? What do we want in friendships? We want people that we can trust. We want people who spend time with us. We want people that we can share our hearts with. People that we can trust. People that are open and honest with us. And God asks us for all of those things. Do we come close to Jesus when we don't sin? Or do we sin less when we come close to Him? Okay, both of these things are true at the same time. But the second one is more true. Okay? That we sin less when we come close to Him. And obviously when we, you know, I talked briefly about the times that Jesus actually, or Scripture calls someone God's friend. You know, Moses, he was pretty cool, messed up at the end. Abraham, clearly messed up. Um, Peter, clearly messed up. Okay? When, when scripture shows us the friends of God, these are not perfect men or women. These are people who just have faith and obedience and love him, even as they mess up. They love him. So Matt, as you know, Matt's a great guy, okay? He's also, he's a rocket scientist, Literally, yeah. And so, um, before you get too awestruck, you know, say, well, that's amazing. If you know scientists, you know that they often are amazing at, like, maths, but struggle with common sense. And, um, (laughs) so, so, Matt, I'll give you a chance to preach in a few months, okay, so, um, so, you know, once, Matt's great, and Amanda, obviously, and, They've been very kind to us. They've often house sat for us when we go away. Um, so, you know, we went away in winter, and I said to Matt, Matt, our house is old, it doesn't have central heating. So, if you don't stay in the house and keep the fire going, it'll get cold, the pipes will freeze. Okay, common sense. Everyone? Yeah, okay. So, I get a call or an email or a text, I can't remember, three days later saying, um, the, 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 the pipes froze. and. Um, they froze so badly, actually, they managed to crack a solid stainless steel um, thing inside my bathroom down in the middle, which took me about six months to replace because it's a specialist bath pot. And, of course, Matt was punished because he then had to crawl under my house <laughs> with poor James, Bill's son, um, in the middle of winter and repair the pipes. But, you know, uh, I didn't bath for six months, but I forgave Matt. Um, <laughs> I could at least shower, okay, before you, before you worry. Um, then the, the next time I think we went away, um, you know, Matt, again, kind, kindness or friendship, house sat for us again? And I said, Matt, I know you love your dog and you hate being away from him, but um, please don't bring Balto because he likes to eat my animals, you know? And um, that seems to be a, 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 a fairly easy thing to see as a no-no. And um, anyway, I get home from the airport, Matt's not there because he's at work, and who is there? Balto. So, so I phone Matt and say, Matt, um, I'm missing some chickens. And he, and he says, I mean, they probably just got out and flew away. I said, I said, Matt, your dog's collar is literally stuck in the fence of my chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, He's currently running around with a chicken in his mouth, so... <laughs> um, th- um, yeah, I think, I think he ate them. And then, and my favorite one of all time was the time I lent Matt my truck. And um, <laughs> and uh, I got a call, and as soon as you get that call, you just know, and your heart drops. He's like, he's crashed it. And, um, <laughs> So he calls. He says, "You know, sorry. Anyway, it had hit a. He had gone off the road and hit a electricity post, and I had to go help him because it had gone out of gear, and I had to help him get it back into gear." And what was curious, actually, by that moment was that he said, "You know, it's. You're so lucky. I'm such a good driver, because this could have been a lot worse. I only just missed hitting the pole full on." And I I thought. I thought a good driver would be the guy who actually stayed on the road, you know? But uh, it's, it's how a rocket scientist thinks, apparently. Um, but, <laughs> you know, uh, despite these things, and, you know, I actually had a whole page, but I'm going to stop there for time. Um, <laughs> the reality is that he's still my best friend, you know? And um, we, our friendship started... Actually, you met Kath first, didn't you? And, yeah, then she sent you to me, but, you know, we spent we spent a few years praying together at, uh, at Taylor every week. You know, I, w- I helped him work through his, his uh, early stages with Amanda, the girlfriend stages, that was fun. Yeah, pleasure. <laughs> that was hard. But, you know, we've prayed together for years. Um, he spent hours helping me on the farm, just hanging out, digging holes, building stuff, sometimes not always useful, but we just had fun, you know played a lot of sport together, sometimes corrosive of our friendship, but often positive. Um, But you know, the reality is that he's my friend and he he makes mistakes because he's human, I make mistakes because I'm human and he'll give a sermon one day about those. But um, even as, I think maybe when you crash my truck you're a little nervous, maybe, maybe a little bit. But it was amazing how I thought he'd be more scared when I went to see my crash truck. But there was a kind of peace about him, which wasn't arrogance or anything else. It was just like he knew that he was safe with me. like We had such history that he was safe, that even when he messed up, I'll you know, go that case accidentally, but um, the friendship made us safe. And so, you know, all of these at Matt's um, expense, but what I wanted to illustrate is, you know, when, we, when we have friendship and when we, when we mess up, um, good friends welcome us back in. And, I, and I've seen this so powerfully in, in my life. Um, you know, My wife and I, when we were fairly newly married, we went through a really rough stage, and um, life was really hard. And we had a group of Christian friends who just dropped us. Like it wasn't Christian to struggle in your marriage or something, you know? We just got dumped. People we had known for years, many of whom we thought were our closest friends. But you know, we had friends in a new church that we had known for about three months, all but one of them were new Christians. They've been Christians less than a year. And they embraced us with the love of Christ because they had experienced Jesus' love and his friendship and they surrounded us and healed us with their love. It's not always about how long we've been friends with Jesus but that, that connection that we have with him, that we see this in people and we see this in friendships. And obviously, you know, in all seriousness, you know, Matt would never do things, but he could do something that I would, I would have to forgive him. But let's say he beats up one of my kids, okay? Never going to happen. But let's say, you know, I would, I would have to forgive him because that's what Christ calls me to, but our friendship would be toast. You know, it would be done. Um, and just a warning. So the... Um, <laughs> yeah, so... so <laughs> But the thing with Jesus, obviously, is that there's nothing. There is nothing that can cut us off from his love. So even as we appreciate that, that obedience is so important, when we do mess up, when we make the wrong choices, there is nothing that we can do that can cut us off from his love. We can hurt friendship with him. But we don't worry about... Hurting friendship with him because we, we're no longer religious or we're breaking the law, we, we, we don't do that because we don't want to lose that friendship, that intimacy, that love, that closeness. In the same way, we try not to hurt our earthly friends. Now, I, I've, I, sh- I shared this story um, once or twice, and I, so I'll do it quickly, but because um, I want to add a little bit of detail that I don't think I've, sh- I've shared before, but you know, I, I've, I've only seen Jesus once in a vision. And um, similar to many other people who's, who I've heard have visions of him, when I, when I saw his face, you know, I couldn't see beyond his eyes. So all I could see was the fire in his eyes. And, um, and it was a moment when I was struggling with shame. And I was just in worship, and he, and he appeared to me, and... And without words, it was all just communicated, um, without words. But he, he, he showed me all of the sin that had ever been committed. I don't know how he communicated, I just knew. It was all the murders, all the rape, all the pain, all the suffering, everything. From the beginning to the end. And it was, abs- it was absolutely massive. It was like this planet. Just enormous. Um... And, and then the, pers- the perspective shifted, and, I, and, I, and, and this, I saw this planet being thrown through the air towards Jesus, and, and then as it got closer and closer and closer, it got smaller and smaller and smaller, until it hit him in the face, it hit him in the eye, and by the time it got to his eye, it was this speck, and, and he didn't even blink. He just consumed it like it was nothing. And, I, and I, there's the wonder of that for me, in terms of how he's going to make all things new, and restore all things Um, it's it's too beautiful to imagine. Um, But he showed me in that moment that whatever I could possibly do, he was so much bigger than it. That nothing I could do could ever separate me from him. But how that vision ended was that he walked up to me and he took my hand and he led me next to a river. And I knew it was the river of life. And I knew it was there for me to sort of jump into whenever I needed refreshing. And he said, come and walk with me for the rest of your life. Walk with me. And then I, we just walked off together down this path next to this beautiful river. And it was such, an, it was such a moment of, of intimacy and friendship that he wasn't saying, obey me. He wasn't saying, get it right. He wasn't saying, don't sin again because you get that shame back. He will say, "I'm here to do life with you. I'm here to walk with you. I'm holding your hand. I'm right next to you." And that's you know, something that um, no one can ever take away. So, please turn to First um, John. I know we read this recently, but I I just want to read it again tonight. First John four. So I'm just gonna read 17 to 19. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. We told in Romans that he died for us even while we were still sinners. We all know that scripture well, I'm sure. He died for us while we were still sinners. He chose us, he offers us friendship. It's his will, it's his choice, it's his offer. And I would encourage you this week, I'm not going to spend the time on this, but I would encourage you this week to keep reading into John 16 and meditate on it, especially when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Because what we see in John 15 is that Jesus says, I obeyed the Father's commandments. I did what he told me to do. And he says to his disciples, I've called you friends because I have shared with you. And so when he talks about the Holy Spirit and says, I'm going to send you my spirit, and he is going to share with you the things of my heart, he is inviting us into friendship. Because the nature of that friendship is in the knowing of Jesus' heart. As Jesus knew the Father's heart, as the disciples knew Jesus' heart, so we have access to Jesus' heart through the Holy Spirit. So meditate on those verses, especially um, 16, 12 to 13, but I'd encourage you to read around that. But when he says that the, the spirit will lead you into all truth, that you'll take it from what is mine and share it with you, that is a call into deep friendship by his spirit. So when I asked the Lord what he wanted to do tonight, and I said, um, it was funny reading about sin and thinking how do I talk about sin and obedience and um, the, the reality of um, Jesus saying that you will have joy. I just I was I was so full of joy every time I thought about this topic, and it seemed like a real contradiction. But I felt the Lord, I felt the Lord saying that um, that he wants to he wants us to get rid of some rubbish tonight. Okay, um, now all of us in this in this room, we have different levels of freedom. We have different levels of intimacy with Jesus. That's just the reality of the walk with Him. Um, if, you know, if when we pray, the Holy Spirit doesn't point anything out to you or show you anything, that's wonderful. But pray over this room. Pray for the people next to you. At Kingdom Life, we really value freedom. And How, how, how great to have a, a, an atmosphere, to have a place of holiness and of intimacy with Jesus where people can come in and, and, um, and shame can be broken off them. And that's my hope. And, and as Dawn was saying, you know, e- even during worship, like we just encounter Jesus' love and, 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 and shame gets broken off us. Um, that's what I want to see. So will you stand with me and let's, let's pray. You know I like to pray standing up. So um, let's pray. And I, I felt the Lord saying that for some people this might be a challenge. Okay, for some of us this might be a challenge. I know even this year I had a, I had a really, really hard and a really amazing 2019 um, in 2020, you started out with all sorts of accusations uh, from the enemy, you know, trying to clog my mind and rob me of friendship. And I, um, I take that as a good sign that we're on the right track. But what I want us to do is, um, is we're just gonna pray. And I, I want you to give the Holy Spirit time to speak. Okay, I'm just gonna take a few minutes. Um, And just ask him two things. Are there any parts of my life where there's still shame? Where I'm carrying shame? Okay, and and please give him time. My my own father led a church for 30 years. He lived for 65 years until someone prophetically spoke to him a thing that happened to him when he was three years old. And shame entered his life and he had no idea (laughs) until it was spoken prophetically and and he got healing. The Holy Spirit is able to reveal all sorts of things. So let him speak. Um, There might not be a particular shame area, it might be obviously if you have a besetting sin, there might be shame attached to that. Okay, but let him speak. If there's something in your life that you just want to be free of. Okay. So let's pray. Jesus, you um, you came to bring in life and life abundant. You came that we would have freedom. So Lord, we give you this time now and we pray by your Spirit, would you speak to us? Lord, would you reveal, is there a part of our lives, is there a part of our history where we still carry shame from something that we've done or something that's been done to us? And Lord, we present ourselves to you. We make ourselves available. Knowing that your love flows through your words. Come, Holy Spirit. As I said, this may only be for one person, but I I felt the Lord saying that that shame has been used as a a way to prevent us running into His arms and embracing His friendship. And um, just yeah, I just sense Him saying enough. Uh, I. I'm completely here and available Hence, this is not to stop us anymore. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I, I, I felt the Lord um, <laughs> saying, Okay, when, when we get this thing, when, we, when you reveal something to us, that we would, we would imagine it as, as a ball, something. And our our eyes are closed. We're praying that we would we would hold this out before Him. And I, I I felt Him saying, "Don't don't hold it out with kind of eyes scrunched together or slightly turning away, embarrassed. Don't give in to what the shame is trying to do, which is to separate." I I saw Him welcoming these things. And saying, give them to me and have joy as you give them. Come, come to me, give them to me. Don't hide. That's been the enemy's scheme all along. Don't hide. Don't shirk away. Don't. <laughs> don't fear me. I am love. I know all these things. Give them to me. Let me take them. So Jesus, we give you, we give you our failings, we give you the times we've been disobedient, we give you the shame that has been attached to those things, Lord, because the the shame is more dangerous than anything, because it cuts us off from you, it stops us thinking that we have the right to your your friendship and your and intimacy with you. We give you these things, Lord. We give them to you with joy. With gratitude. Lord, that you are our friend who is never embarrassed by us, never surprised. And you see these things. So take them, Jesus, now. I pray by your spirit that there would be a, a release of grace and mercy. That whether shame or sin has been lodged in our hearts in our spirits, in our minds, where the enemy has used it as a weapon against us, Lord, that those would all be cleared out now. In the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, by your spirit, let joy and let peace fill us. Let the reality of your friendship fill us. And Lord, I pray that we would have an increased desire to run towards you, Lord. To run into intimacy with you.